Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're going to pick up in the Old Testament where we left off in the book of Leviticus. That's the third book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And as always, since it's the Old Testament, it's not going to be any quotes in red letters, anything Jesus said, other than the possibility of something Jesus may have reflected on during his ministry in what we call the New Testament. So we're going to begin at chapter 16 and verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. So um, just in case you know what what happened there, Aaron, uh, Moses is the same Ten Commandments Moses. Aaron is his brother who's been appointed as the sort of religious leader who gets his messages and directions directly from Moses. And Moses, according to the narrative, gets them directly from the Lord. However, the New Testament says no one has heard God's voice at any time or seen his form even. So however you can manage to make those make sense, God bless you. Um, It doesn't make sense to me um, unless there's some sort of device that's not mentioned, like I've said before, or some sort of intermediary like angels or something delivering the messages Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense that he's having these conversations and sometimes they even sit down and eat with the Lord, it says, and yet um, no one's seen him at any time. So that if you can reconcile that, good for you. Um, but, so we're just going to read it as the narrative says, though. And as I always say, um, when you used to find out what words are translated to, say, the word Lord in the Old Testament, there's many different words that are translated to that word so it leads me to believe there's more than one entity being worshipped as God in the in the Old Testament and for sure throughout the Bible but having said all that that's what the the narrative is saying that um about what's happening here and as far as the profane profane fire before the Lord that's another mystery because it's um two of the sons of Aaron who are considered the priesthood line, the ones who are giving out the religious laws for the people, they tried to do something, um, offer an, a sacrifice, uh, a burnt sacrifice, a fi- uh, offering by fire um, to what is being called the Lord, um, because the Lord had made an appearance to the people. And when they did, immediately they were stricken down and burned and killed. Um, which is a mystery because we've read about all kinds of other scandalous things that aren't attempting to be holy or righteous at all from rapes and incest to all kinds of other things happening and the Lord doesn't strike out at all then children being abused, nothing at all you don't see any instant karma for them, there's no lightning strike no earth opening up and swallowing them none of that, the Lord apparently just stood by and watched all that or doesn't uh, stop any of that and yet, when someone tries to offer a burnt offering, some incense or something to um, to be reverent, they're immediately stricken down. So, um, if that makes sense to you, it makes sense to you. That's, what the, that's how the narrative reads. Um, but it doesn't really make much sense to me why the Lord would do something like that if it's really the Lord Almighty that's that they're interacting with. But, like I said, it's the Old Testament and how it reads, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to read it. Um, and just take it at face value. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, and your, Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. 
So again, another reason that the the death the instant karma death penalty, and I say instant karma because in reality, the religion that believes in karma, that that belief system that believes in karma, it isn't um, something that you experience right now at all. No matter what you do, it's not considered a a reap what you sow right now situation. Karma involves you um, reaping what you sow in an afterlife, not in the life you're living now. So when people say, oh, that's karma when something bad happens to you after you did something bad, that's not actually what karma is about. But uh, you get the understand, you understand what they mean that they're saying you reap what you sow. And if you do something bad, something bad is going to happen back to you. Only, like I said, karma has to do with ha- receiving that recompense for what you did in the next life, not in this one. Um, but the point being, uh, why um, would the Lord be so ready again to strike out instantly and strike people down when they're just trying to seek holiness? And in this case, he's saying if you even come into the holy place, that's sort of the... Um, if you think of the holy place as Moses is set up in what's called the tabernacle meeting, it's separate from the community of people that are following him um, so that he can interact with the quote unquote Lord. And in that tabernacle, it's a tent that's set up. And the way it, the narrative reads is a cloud uh, will appear over that tabernacle. So everyone in the community can see that there's an interaction with the divine happening then and then the lord would appear according to the narratives or at least that's when the lord would make the interactions happen with moses in that tabernacle meeting so it is considered a most holy place because that's where the lord makes the interactions with them and it's limited it's exclusive to only the ones that are um ritually clean clean enough to even approach it and um have the right to according to the religion so um that's what the whole thing about the holy place is and he's giving the instruction to even Aaron letting Moses know to tell your brother don't just come here at any time so that that also is an instant death penalty if you offend in it so again why would the lord be so ready to strike people down when they're trying to get to the holy place or what you call church or synagogue or temple or mosque in modern times why would they why would that be an instant death penalty for somebody who's trying to get there and just to seek holiness and yet that's the way it reads to me verse three thus aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young goat young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering so again with the killing the animals as a way of approaching the lord it's saying now that um, that's how aaron has to approach that tabernacle and enter the holy place is by after slaughtering and offering animals again if that makes sense to you it makes sense to you but if it makes sense to you as say like bible thumpers say it's the lord is the same yesterday today and forever well if that's the case then why aren't you still doing that when you go to approach the holy place aka your church or synagogue or temple why aren't you approaching that way if that's the case the tabernacle and um is long gone now the um the um where the all of this is happening but presumably your place where you worship in modern times also has the presence of the lord there otherwise why would you be going there um but you know that's religion verse four he shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body he shall be girded with the linen sash and with 
the linen turban, he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. So, again, the Lord seems very focused on stuff that really doesn't, according to Jesus, uh, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. And there's nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. So why in the world is it so important? And I say, why would it? I, why would these commandments be given out? And they're given out as perpetual commandments that you're supposed to still be following. It says from generation to generation, meaning if they were doing them back then, you're supposed to still be doing them now. So if that's the case, why aren't people still doing that? Especially uh, hypocritical Bible thumpers. It just doesn't make sense. It's so that people will cherry pick what they want to follow because then they'll come up with other reasons why oh we don't do animal sacrifices anymore because and then you fill in the blank but that's not what the scriptures say it says it's perpetual statute forever so again if that can make sense to you god bless you verse five and he shall take from the congregation of the children of israel two kids to the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering so now it's the the recipe for that offering is what needs the animals that have to be slaughtered for it the kids of the goats and these young ones and um and a ram also uh, just to enter the tabernacle he has to do that and the blood of them is part of the ceremony verse 6 Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house so before he can even enter enter the enter the holy place the bull has to die to pay for the human sins um, and that's to make atonement for himself and for his house what church is doing that what synagogue is doing it what temple is doing that in modern times every time the high priest enters the quote-unquote holy place verse 7 he shall take the two goats and present them before the lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting again so you're supposed to still be doing this if you're in that priesthood line and maybe there are some who do and i just haven't experienced them i haven't seen it anywhere in america or any place i've gone to a place of worship but it's possible it exists i haven't seen a whole lot of things but it's saying that that's what's supposed to be done that's the prescription that uh aaron has to do to enter the tabernacle of eating before even getting there all the animals that have to die for human transgressions verse 8 then aaron shall cast lots for the two goats one lot for the lord and the other lot for the scapegoat so this is like the introduction of the word scapegoat where um uh it's well it'll explain it but so there's two goats there and one is it's basically when it says casting lots it's uh basically a bet a gamble it's like a lottery it's like drawing straws and one straw will be for one side one straw will be for the other in this case one goat will be for one side the lord's one goat will be for the scapegoat as in the sin the people um or the one offering it verse nine and aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. So whichever a goat was ends up being on um, dedicated to or representing or the side of the Lord. That was the one that ends up dead. It gets um, um, offered, meaning slaughtered. 
verse 10, but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. So the scapegoat is the one that literally gets to escape the um, slaughtering, the death, the killing. Um, but it also ends up being the one that all the sin of the one who's offering it gets cast on. And like I said, I uh, mentioned before, there's a movie that sort of gives you an idea of what this is like. I'm sure there's lots of them that do, but there's a movie called The Haunting in, a Haunting in Connecticut based on um, uh, real life events, according to its narrative, where you can see that um, someone, a spiritist or medium is able to um, transfer somehow the spirits, the demons, the energies that are involved with one person into a goat. So then you see the goat become immediately possessed with the um, spirits of the entity that was transferred to it. And you can sort of, it's just in case you would like a visual um, idea of what that would be like. Um, and it's just Hollywood, but like I said, it's it'll help make it more. It help makes it helps make it a little more clear in my mind what they're doing. So so that's what's happening. One of the goats, the one that gets to live, ends up with all the sin put on it, whereas the dead goat is the one that pays with its life and is dedicated to the quote unquote Lord. Verse eleven: And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as the sin offering which is for himself. So Aaron the priest um, is the one who slaughters the bull as the offering. Verse 12, Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire upon the altar before the Lord with his hands, full of sweet incense, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. So he has to slaughter the bull, then he has to get the incense and take it inside the veil. And the veil is um inside the tent. Verse 13, And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. So again, if you don't do that, you end up with the death penalty. And what he has to do is put the incense there before that mercy seat. And presumably the mercy seat is where the appearance of the entity, the Lord, happens. And it's the seat on top of the um, the Ark of the Covenant. A whole um, a relic, basically, that's set up with a seat. And to, if you want to picture it the way I picture it, it's the way it's described is there's a seat, like a throne, um and on each side of it there's an angel and these are um it's a it's a um think of like a statue um with a seat where there's a throne and on each side of it either side of it there's an angel and each angel has its wings spread out in front of it to cover and hide basically the mercy seat where the appearance of the deity will happen so you cut they're saying you have to uh, make that offering of the incense so that the smoke will rise up in front of that seat. Um, so you can imagine what kind of scenery that would scene that would create, almost like uh, magic about to happen and something about to appear, but it being veiled by all that smoke and the wings and the exclusivity of only certain people being able to even go to see it and access and interact with it. Although, again, that cloud appears over it so that everyone knows that that's what's going on inside. 
Verse 14, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the seat on the east side and before the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times so we've talked about that again and again with the um the blood ceremonies that they're doing and how if you think in modern times how pandemics happen and um strains of them like the mad cow and the bird flu and the most recent one how they seem to be uh they seem to arise when humans get have too much close contact with animals uh, body fluids and parts and it seems and even it's believed with i think it says hiv aids that the virus that causes aids hiv originated with people interacting somehow with the fluids of a monkey a rhesus monkey if i remember right and whether it's them eating it or having sex with it or butchering it Whatever the case may be, some sort of too close contact was made with the animals um, where mutations can happen and pandemics break out or at least new mutations of viruses and diseases can spread. So you could imagine if you're still doing this in modern times, what sort of diseases might arise out of that because you can't even deal with human blood uh, body fluids like that. Uh, without being at high risk of catching something and then spreading something. Verse 15, then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So um, he has to do that with the bull, has to do that with the goat, with the blood and the slaughtering and whatnot. I would think that if you really know, if you know and believe that you have to do all of that every time you even enter that tabernacle, that would be an incentive to keep you living a holy life because you might not want to keep being bothered with having to do all of that slaughtering, deal with all that blood and gore and sprinkling it and all of that stuff. So it might be enough in that to make you and your loved ones live a more holy life because you don't want to have to keep doing that because also it's going to cost you money unless these are animals provided by the community which many times they are it's going to cost you money because that livestock costs money it's not free to uh, own livestock any more than it's free to own a pet you have to feed them house them uh, care for them all of that stuff that costs money verse 16 so he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins and so he shall do for the tabernacle meeting which remains among among them in the midst of their uncleanness so it's because they're considered unclean spiritually ritually um and that the animals have to die and that he has to go through this ceremony um to even approach because it's considered unclean to even be around them so the young uh to make atonement for their uncleanness uncleanliness and the fact that the holy place is even among them the animals have to die according to the prescription verse 17 there shall be no man in the tabernacle meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. So other people aren't allowed to be around and present when the sacrifices are happening for the atonement for Aaron himself and for his family. 
verse 18 and he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around so again imagine what that would be like if you're if that's happening in your church if every time the preacher wants to go to the pulpit or uh, enter the holy of holies uh, the part separate from the um from the congregation that they have to kill the bull kill the goat and then take that blood and sprinkle it on the altar there that they preach from and i know that's different than um than um because it's a church but you can imagine it's the same sort of setup that's happening with them because it's a in this case it's a tent and a different religion but um you can get an idea what that would be like verse 19 then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his fingers seven times cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanliness uncleanness of the children of Israel so not uncleanliness as in um, you need a little bleach need a little Lysol need to do some washing not that unkind not that kind of uncleanliness but instead uncleanness as in spiritually ritually religiously unclean sinful and um, needing to be um, uh, make atonement forgiveness for that um, that's what all of the blood ceremony seems to be about verse 20 and when he's made an end of atoning for the holy place the tabernacle meeting and the altar he shall bring the live goat so first the bull has to die to make up for the fact that the people the place is sinful and the holy uh, place is among it so first the bull has to die then after the bull is slaughtered and killed for the for the fact that the people and the that the place that the the tabernacle is located is unclean ritually now the goat has to do its part verse 21 Aaron shall lay both hands on the head of the live goat confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man so the scapegoat doesn't get slaughtered remember the other goat that was uh, uh, slaughtered is uh, the one that pays with its life for the human sins but in the the scapegoat ends up having the sins cast upon it like i was saying about the movie where the uh, evil energy of the sin gets put onto the animal the goat that didn't have anything to do with the sins but according to the the narrative that's what has to happen or supposed to happen to make atonement for the fact that the holy place is among sinful people in a sinful place and um then um, the other goat has to take those sins upon itself and get released out into the wilderness. Verse 22, the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So um, spiritually, ritualistically, the sins are put onto that scapegoat, and then the goat gets to escape with its life into uh, the desert, basically, the wilderness away from the people. And this sort of makes me think of when Jesus casts out the demons in the New Testament in the Gospels. And the demons themselves ask to be um, put into the pigs. There's a herd of pigs that are nearby. So um, in the same way, you can think of it that way. Or at least that's how I think of it with the the animals bearing the sins and the the 
demons of the people. And that's what happens with the scapegoat. It gets to carry the sin of the people, even though it probably had nothing to do with those sins. And then um, release. So at least it's it's release. At least it gets away alive. Verse 23, then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle meeting, shall take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. So, a great detail for what happens to the clothes, what happens to the goats, to the bulls, to the people. Um, verse 24, he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out, and offer the burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. So again, he was confessing all the sins of the people also when he made the offering. But so I, um, I'm not sure how he'll know what all the sins of the people are individually unless it's sort of like a general coverall sin prayers um prayer for forgiveness for their sins without mentioning every single sin that every single person has done in the congregation sort of just like a blanket coverage being put onto the goat and to the bull for their sins um see verse 25 the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar so again it's getting to the details of uh the offering itself and how to do it and we've read before how people at least according to the narrative the congregation is forbidden from eating fat um and that means animal fat that means butter that means lard that means ghee that means any fat that animal any fat that animals may produce uh tallow any of that so if you're believing the whole bible and trying to live by it you're not supposed to be ingesting any of those things um and it's if i remember right it's also a statute forever that means it was given to them these thousands of years ago but if it's a statute forever that means you're supposed to be doing it now also um so anyway the fat part is also um um is burnt there now um uh, and verse 26 and he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe in his body in water and afterward he may come into the camp so um even the one who uh carried the scapegoat off to the wilderness has to also bathe this bathe himself and um and um and wash his clothes also and but at least he doesn't I, I guess the animal also carried its sin on uh, his sin on it also then that way he's not unclean until evening like it says in previous chapters we've read but so then after that person the one who took away the scapegoat cleanses himself he's free to return to the congregation to the camp where the people are verse 27 the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place shall be carried outside the camp and they shall burn in the fire their skins their flesh and their offal so um the goat the um i'm sorry the bull and the goat um are to be burned and when it says burned it um like i said before you we you um it doesn't mean necessarily burnt to a crisp it just means put to fire um in other words barbecued it because like it said before you can um only a memorial portion is actually burned and then the rest of it in many cases with the offerings are the priests 
So then if someone needs to offer a bowl and two goats or some turtle doves or whatever it's being called for, uh, part of it will be burnt and quote unquote offered to the Lord. But the rest is going to be the priest. So the priest is going to be basically enriched. And I guess it makes sense since they're the one going through the rituals and carrying out the orders and the religion that that's basically their pay, their income, their their um for what they're doing for their duties. But um, yeah, I mean, just so you keep that straight. And as far as the offal, um, it's that's the entrails and internal organs of an animal used as food. So that would be like chitlins, the intestines and whatnot, the the kidneys, the liver, all of those parts are considered the offal. Uh, let's see. Um, verse 28 then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterward he may come into the camp so again with the person offering the goat and the bull once they do they can wash their clothes and bathe and then they're allowed to return to the congregation verse 29 this shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. So again, it says a statute forever. That means you're supposed to still be doing this now. Just like um, some of the other commandments, or at least ordinances and statutes being laid out, they're supposed to be still doing them now. So if you're a Bible thumper, if you're saying you got to live by the Old Testament and the New, and it's the same God from Genesis to Revelation, like I always say, then why aren't you doing this? It says... A statute forever that means ongoing that means now um and if you're not the priest the one that's doing it then is your priest doing these things is your it is it, it says forever that means it doesn't change because the new testament came along it means forever verse 30 oh and so one other thing uh, this day it says the 10th month i'm sorry seventh month um and the 10th day of the month if you um in modern times, this uh, Day of Atonement is called um, um, Yom Kippur. Let me see. And it occurs in October this year. Let me see. I look. It's um, October 4th, the evening October of October 4th until the evening of October 5th. Because remember, um, there was darkness before there was light, according to the, the Bible. Uh, remember it was dark and then the Lord said let there be light so there was already time going on before that first day is even mentioned but um, th that's how the days are measure measured in the Bible um, by the at least by this religion um, that night comes first and each new night is the actually a new day so basically when the sun sets that's the new day not when the sun rises but when it sets that's the beginning of the new day um, let's see, verse 30. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So maybe that's why we aren't seeing this happening in synagogues, churches, temples around the world. Because it's only supposed to, this part anyway, this offering is only supposed to happen that once a year, that day of atonement, Yom Kippur. But I, again, I've seen them celebrated on the news and I don't ever see them doing that, making that offering, the animal sacrifices, but it's possible I missed it. 
Verse 31, it is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. So it says statute forever again. So that means if they were doing it by then, it's supposed to be doing it now. But then, and people in modern times do still celebrate this holiday, but they've changed it, at least the Jewish people I know. And from what I've seen on, you know, TV and other sources, the way they celebrate it now as a sacrifice, instead they make it a sacrifice as in they won't eat any beef since it's the cow and they won't eat any goat since it's a goat that's offered as the sacrifice so instead of sacrificing it it's life literally and um um you know with the slaughter instead you're sacrificing it from your diet where you're not eating it and taking part in it so it's a it's a different way of sacrificing it but that's the way people in modern times as far as i know generally speaking um make this same sacrifice and the same offering but it's not the way it says it's laid out it's not that's not how it says it's supposed to be offered according to what we're reading verse 32 and the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes the holy garments so again with the detail of the clothes that the priest has to put on and dress himself to make a um, to make these offerings and make atonement to basically make payment for those sins. Uh, verse thirty three. Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle meeting, and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests, and for all the people of the assembly. So atonement is basically paying for it. It's and Christians believe Jesus made the um atonement for our sins the his blood being shed is the is the um equivalent of the uh sacrifice made to pay for the people's sins according to the whole Christian um are not all but obviously but um many Christians that's how they believe um it correlates Verse 34, this shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. So Aaron is being obedient to what Moses is getting as his message from the quote unquote Lord about making this animal sacrifice to make atonement for or provide forgiveness for the sins of the congregation, the people. And it says again, it's a statute forever that once a year you're supposed to do that. So I don't know it, but maybe in um, maybe in some parts of the world, that's exactly what they do. Wait once a year when Yom Kippur rolls around, the animals are sacrificed to make atonement for, to pay for the sins of all the people of the faith. And that's entirely possible. And I can believe that people do do that because other religions also still make animal sacrifices and do the blood ceremonies and all of those things whether they're to the same entity deity or not other religions do do still do the same things so it's possible it's entirely possible even likely that in um uh throughout the world and different religions people do still do this i just have never seen it and certainly haven't seen it every year being done but that's the order that's the order for celebrating or recognizing the day of atonement also known as yom kippur like i said in modern times 
And that actually is also the last verse of this reading. So that's the end of this reading. I appreciate you checking it out with me as always. And as always, I hope it's a blessing for you. You can hear the past readings here on these platforms, Spotify, Anchor, and now recently uh, Apple and Google. And you can, um, if you're an adult, you can hear them on my website, my platform, or even read along with me with the ones that are most um, closest to my heart there. That would be the gospel readings, the red letter readings in the, of the New Testament, the things Jesus actually had to say. And just in case this is your first time reading with me to understand the difference, the entire Bible is not one about one religion or one God even, but instead many different religions. And it turns out Christianity is not the whole Bible. Christianity, the things Jesus had to say, Christ had to say, are in only six books of the whole Bible. And they appear in red letters if you have a New King James Version of the Bible. And if you don't, they're still only in those six books. Although, like I said, Jesus may reflect on Old Testament passages from the prophets and the law and uh, the Psalms. But the things Jesus actually said himself, his ministry, his teachings are in only those six books. That makes it a tenth of the Bible, a tithe of all the books of the Bible, at least the modern American version that has about 60 plus books. Only six of them, one tenth, have anything Jesus even said in them. So that's what we focus on since I self-identify as a Christian, a red letter Christian specifically, meaning that's the message I get from the Bible and use as my compass to try and live in my life and walk my paths of life. And um, the rest of the Bible, it's there for a reason, I think, to point to why, to point to the Messiah, to point to the Christ, to point to Jesus, that that's the uh, words as a Christian that'll save us. That's our guide. And so we focus on the Old Testament because there's more of it in, on Mondays and Wednesdays. And we focus on what Jesus has to say here on the Naked Truth on our Saturday readings. And uh, like I said, if you're an adult, you can go to my website. It's hungtgirl.com. Click on the links, body, mind, spirit, and soul to find out about me and more about the Naked Truth and hear the past readings or read along with me there with the spirit and soul pages being most dedicated to what we do here on the Naked Truth. Um, and feel free to join me again. I hope you stay safe and God bless you. Thanks again. See you next time. Peace be with you.